You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Nilin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and styling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 127. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So just a quick reminder that the early bird submission of our International Home Staging Awards is now open. So make sure you send in your fabulous home staging projects, and you can do that by going to our website at homestagingawards.com, or just go to stagemore.com, and we'll link that in the show notes as well. And also, we're working on a new workshop series on starting your home staging business. So I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas or questions about this, if so, feel free to DM us at Stage for More on Instagram or leave a message in our Facebook group, The Home Staging Show. I would love to incorporate any of your ideas or suggestions on topics into the workshop series when we're ready to go live in mid-May and early July. So today on the show, we have someone who's very special to me. She's in my mastermind group. Her name is Caroline, and she's a certified photo organizer and digital strategist who loves helping people to sort out their digital messes. And I thought that could be very applicable for us homesagers. We have a lot of files, whether it's with clients, but also for projects, organizing all the photos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So whether it's for your family collections or for your businesses, Caroline can help you in doing so and help you get organized. She's a Golden Circle member of NAPO, the National Association of Organizing and Productivity Professionals, and a professional member of the Photo Managers. And you can actually find her on her website at organizingphotos.net. So let's start the show. So today we're doing another experimenting with interviewing our podcast guests live in our Facebook group. So thank you for those of you who are watching, hopping on live. And thank you for those of you who are watching the replay. And today we have Caroline on our show. And she has a really interesting background because we always had professional organizers in the show before, but we never had someone who specializes in digital organization. So Caroline, can you tell us a little bit about your company, about yourself, and how did you get into this line of work? Yeah, of course. So back in the early 2000s, I was actually working as a photographer and I loved it, but it was on and off. You know, sometimes I was really busy, sometimes I was not. And then when I started a family, decided to just take a break. And then I was a stay-at-home mom for a while. And then when I got started again, I decided, no, no, I want to try something different. So I actually started my company as a residential organizing company. And I did residential organizing for like three years, basements, closets, all that kind of stuff. And then pretty quickly, I decided that because of my past experience, I was really good at the digital part of it. You know, my love for photos came through and, you know, digital files. I was, I was loving that whenever I would get those clients, I just pivoted and just decided to go completely digital. I'm also a traveler, right? Big traveler. I love that lifestyle. So I want to be on the go as much as I can, you know, with my laptop. That's amazing. I think that is such yeah. a good niche to go into. And I didn't know you have a actually professional organization background. So that's really fascinating. So you probably kind of know what home stages do. And as you know, also as a business owner, we definitely have a lot of paperwork in general, you know, like pricing contract proposals and all that good stuff. And then also paperwork that are business oriented, you know, like business license, renewal, filing LLC and all this stuff. But we also have photograph as well. So do you feel like there is a strong differentiation between organizing the files versus photos? 
or is there a similar idea between the two when it comes to digital organization? Yeah, I mean, the principles of organizing are pretty much universal because it doesn't matter if you're organizing something in your kitchen or computer files, they all need some place to live, right? So basically, like, where do we store it? And then how do we find it? I mean, that's basically it, right? So it's kind of the general ideas. The hard part about digital is that a lot of the times it's intangible and we don't see it, right? So it gets forgotten much easier. There's different types of systems that you can set up in digital organizing. There's not so much variety in residential organizing. So a good example is there's a digital information hub, a DIH that we call it, right? Which is kind of like the project management systems, you know, like Evernote, Notion, Asana, those types of systems, right? But that's not necessarily great for file storage or photo storage. So then we have like digital file systems like Google Drive and Dropbox. And then there's digital photo hubs like Flickr, you know, or you could do like a Lightroom catalog. So there's so many different types of systems that you can set up. And can you do the same? Sure. But it's a little bit more advanced. And then just keeping track of everything is kind of hard. So as much you can consolidate, the better. But sometimes we do need to separate stuff out just because of the systems aren't quite the same for each thing that you need to look at. Yeah, that was actually one of the questions I had later on for you. Because I think one of the challenges I encounter is that I'm a bit of a nerd with technologies. I'm always experimenting with platforms. So I've used, obviously, Google Drive, Dropbox, Trello, Flickr, and all this stuff to organize our photos and files. And now, for example, we switch to Notion now. But I have these yeah. digital graveyard of all my old files. And I just never yeah. have time around to reorganize everything so we still pay for trello for example because mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. never had a time to migrate everything off so what yeah. do you recommend us to resolve this i'm i'm sure this is very common with other business owners as well oh yeah all the time i think it's just important to differentiate between if you love exploring systems and if that's kind of just a fun thing that you do because it, you just like it, like for me, this is what I do. So I explore systems all day long, all the time, because I need to know what's out there. But if it comes to a point where you're jumping from system to system, then it becomes an issue because then that means that you're not clear on what you need. And so you keep trying things all the time just to try to find the right fit, right? So the intention behind it is a little bit different. You can do two things, right? So It could be that you have maybe like a Google Drive that you've had for like 10 years and everything lived there, but it's no longer working for you. Then you could keep that as an archive and just move to the new system. It's not going to go anywhere. You know, it's still there. No need to necessarily reorganize everything into the new system if you're not going to be able to use it all the time again, right? But if you just want to try a new system out and you have like 10 files in there, then you can just like grab those and shut the whole thing down because there's no need to pay extra for so many different ones, you know? Yeah, no, I know exactly. And does platform really matter? What programs or platforms you recommend for us to organize our digital work stuff? Yeah, it comes down to criteria. So what I see happen a lot is that decisions are made based on a reactionary situation, meaning that you either hear somebody talk about something and you're like, oh, I got to try that. And then you jump to that system or you kind of just end up in a system like that. Like a classic example for photo organizing is, you know, people buy a new iPhone and then they take photos on their phone and it just ends up in Apple Photos and now you've got Apple Photos, right? So it's not like something that you intended. It just kind of happens. I see that happen a lot. So 
what I teach people is to be more intentional with their decisions and to come from a proactive standpoint of figuring out what you need and then looking for the system that matches that the best. So I have a little formula that I tell people all the time. I call it the six piece. So it's the purpose, like what's it for, right? What are we going to use this for? And then number two is people. So who's going to have access to it? Because let's say I'm going to be maintaining a system then I can pick something more advanced because I'm used to that stuff. But if I'm also going to bring in clients into that system, now we need something a little bit more user-friendly, right? Because we're going to have a variety of, of levels. And then the platform, does it need to integrate with something else that you're using? For example, like your communication system. So a lot of people use Slack, for example. Do we need a system that integrates with that to make it easier? And privacy, you know, if you're storing client files, maybe that needs to be secured. Price based on what's out there and then permanence. So for me, permanence is the long term. You want something that grows with you. And a lot of the times what happens is that when businesses scale, their system outgrows them or the other way around. Something doesn't match up anymore. So let's say I have an account with 10 users. Well, if I can't upgrade beyond 10 users, if my team is growing, we're going to have a problem, right? So I like to pick systems that kind of will grow with me and have more flexibility over time. So I don't have to keep moving to different things. That's a really good point. And I think also user friendliness is really important as well. Because when we are organizing back end, so some stages may have an inventory system. Ours is really simple. Ours is all on computer, basically just photo files. But some people mm -hmm. may have very complicated inventory system. So if their team cannot adapt to it, then it's a problem as well because then they cannot access yeah. that organization. And we use a client management system, 17 Hats, HoneyBook, Dubsado. I never say it quite <laughs> properly. Yeah, Dubsado. Yeah. Dubsado. And that already has a, everything, all the file electronically organized by clients or projects. Do we still need to have a separate system to keep track of everything for backup or archive, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, it's always good to have backups, regardless of what system you use, right? So if your system doesn't come with a backup, that's something that you can create. Or if they give you the ability to add on backups for an additional fee, I can't say enough about having backups, believe me. <laughs> I've had to rescue a lot of clients out of that. But I think it goes back to the criteria that I was saying. Like when you have a set criteria and you know what you're looking for, then you can kind of match up the right system for you and check off the boxes. So if you have a system like Dubsado and that's working for you, I think that's great. No need to change it. You know, no need to make it more complicated. We're also good at overcomplicating stuff anyway. So just keeping it simple as much as possible. I'm, I'm a big fan of that path of least resistance. The big thing for me is, is it going to scale with me? Is it going to grow with me as my business grows? And if the answer is no to that, then you may want to exit now or at least have an exit plan for how you're going to do that migration when the time comes. So do you yeah. feel like we should just keep everything? Because one of my questions I have, we used to have a professional organizer that we work with for our office. Mm -hmm. So she would just like, well, after X certain number of years, you can actually just throw these paperwork away, like shred them. And I was a bit hesitant because I was thinking, well, what if? But obviously, a yeah. client from five years ago is never going to come back questioning the contract. So at what point, I'm assuming the same with our digital lifestyle as well, right? At what point should we start eliminating things from our archive? As much as possible, as soon as possible. That's that's my thing. Not to sound harsh or anything, because I know that's hard to do. But think of it this way. Before anything even goes into your system, 
filter it as much as possible, right? So an example would be, more tangible example would be junk mail, right? We all get that. So for me, before I even get that into the house, like I have a mail station in my garage with a shredder and a recycling bin. 80% of the stuff goes right away. And I don't even bring that into the house. And it's kind of the same thing for digital stuff. There's so much that we save out of FOMO, you know, that, oh, what if I need this someday? What if I need this someday? And a lot of the times you never look at it again. So I always say like, as much as you don't save, the better. Like it's almost a matter of knowing what to ignore versus what to save. When they take photos, most people say, I'm just going to click a couple of extra just in case, right? But then they don't go back and now they've got 10 of the same photo. 10 versions, right? Duplicates all the time. So the faster you can get rid of that stuff, like the easier everything is to maintain. Yeah, I find it really challenging, especially when you're working with teams. For example, our business expanded, we got three additional new team members. And I feel in a way, Notion becomes our dumping ground on files. Mm -hmm. And so now we have all these dead spots around our Notion dashboard that are never touch again, or they create it, but then we have a different version later on that is named something else. I'm sure that happens a lot in businesses. So how do you keep track of different versions? And similarly with photos as well. For example, we get photos back from the photographer for our real estate staging project that is high resolution, but then we need to create mm -hmm. a low resolution one for our website. There might be a different orientation. So for Instagram, you'll be a square. For Facebook, it will be landscape. So how do we keep track of all these files? Similar with contracts, we might have different versions because the client might come back yeah. to the inquiry. So how do we do that? Yeah, so there's two things. The first thing is, which is kind of a free low-tech version to do that, is to have a really good file naming convention. So a great one that we use all the time in my company is year, month, date, what it is, the version, and then the initial of the person who last touched it. If you have that set up in an SOP or, or workflow or some way where everybody understands that and adheres to that, you're going to find that it's much easier to look at something and know what it is without having to opening it or previewing. That saves a bunch of time right there. And then the second thing is, if you can set aside 30 minutes to like an hour at the end of every week, just to review what happened during the week and clean out the trash and file what needs to be filed. I know that's a boring thing to say, but it makes such a huge difference. Yeah, I think that's the main thing where the overwhelm comes from, right? It's because mm -hmm. it's snowball into something that feels like a gigantic thing. It's either setting aside a time block, you know, maybe 20 minutes a day or half an hour at the end of the week, or having to deal with it maybe years later on, you know, you literally had to yeah. set aside a whole day for it. And we see that with our homeowners a lot as well. I think as homestagers, we also work with homeowners who have a lot of paperwork and files. And because they live there for a long time, they're usually paper forms stuck in file cabinets. So when we're working with home sellers and stagers, they maybe feel a bit stressed in getting everything ready to move. What are some yeah. of the advice that you may have for stagers who are working with homeowners who have a lot of stuff? Yeah, so another great thing to do, obviously, knowing that there is help out there, if somebody needs to get some extra help, there's lots of organizers out there that would be happy to help with projects like that. But something simple that a homeowner can do is basically put three different bins, you know, and do quick sorts. So like action files would be one, keep, and then toss. 
right? So an action file would be something like a bill that needs to be paid on time, or maybe the, the paperwork for the new home, or maybe IDs, anything important that you want to secure that, you know, you can't just leave anywhere, right? That would go with the homeowner. And then for a keep file, it would be anything else that needs to be filed, maybe like old tax returns or something that you just need to keep on file, but you don't need to touch right now. And then like a toss that you can just shred right away. And I find that that's really easy and doesn't take a whole lot of time to just do like a really quick sort like that and then box up what you don't need. That's great. And then what yeah. do you think are some of the common issues that you run into when it comes to a digital file organization for small businesses like ours? Yeah, I think it's a matter of consistency. Sometimes the intention is there, but the execution isn't. So I feel like if you have some good SOPs that outline what you want your team to do and what you do regularly, and then you just kind of stick with that, that really helps a lot. Like having a file name convention and, you know, you just telling your team, like, this is how we name files and there's a reason for it. It's the smallest tweaks like that that makes huge differences. So I think just consistency and like making some of those choices up front and then just sticking with those, that makes a huge difference. And even just review time, just intentionally setting that aside. And every Friday, we used to call it filing Friday at my last work. You know, that's what we would do is just 30 minutes at the end of the week, you know, fix that and made a huge difference. That's amazing. Is that something you will suggest for people who already feel overwhelmed with their digital files? Yeah, small steps, small steps. And like, what little improvement can you make right now? If it's setting aside that review time, or if it's putting in a file naming convention, or just filtering better, that alone will make a huge difference overall. And those little tweaks, they really add up. You wouldn't believe it. It's actually kind of amazing how much it adds up. That's amazing. And so do you have a workflow that you recommend in keeping track of our digital assets? I do have a workflow that I that I teach to my students. And it's basically after you've filtered and make, made sure that you only save what you need to save, then it should go to wherever your hub is with the least amount of work as possible. So if you have to go through 10 steps just to get it to save in the right place, that's probably not going to happen, right? But you could have an automated system. You could have something like Zapier set up, right, where it automatically happens for you. Yeah, it's just getting it to the hub and saving it there with the least amount of work and then figuring out what else needs to happen. You know, do we need to tag this file? Do we need to share it with somebody? Do we need to give permissions to somebody else? I kind of see that a lot of businesses go like the first mile, but then don't quite get to the end of it. I'll give you a good example. It's like if you and I work on a project together. And we set up like a shared Dropbox. What happens is people put files in there, right? And then we work on the project. But then when the project's over, nobody goes back and looks at that Dropbox again. And the files just kind of hover there for like the longest time. And then after a while, nobody really knows what those files were or why you keep paying for that storage. Because there's not that wrap up of the project. And I see that a lot. And that's kind of how it accumulates over time. Yeah, I think the issue is that we meant well, we want to be organized, say, asking for a friend, <laughs> I want to be organized. But the thing is, is sometimes it does feel overwhelming, yeah. when you feel overwhelmed, and it affects your execution. So do you have any advice for people who feel overwhelmed, when it comes to getting organized? And how do we keep ourselves organized and keep executing to make sure we stay organized? For me, it's a matter of teaching myself to do things as soon as I can. 
So if I download something, I'm going to move it to wherever it needs to live right away. I'm not going to let it live in the downloads folder. Or, you know, if I need to trash something, I'm going to trash it right away. If I'm going to rename it, I'm going to do that right away. So anything less than two minutes, I'm going to do it right now because putting it off makes it snowball. You know what I mean? So it's a matter of like just training yourself to make those choices when you can. And then I think a little bit at a time and breaking things down into manageable pieces makes such a big difference. 90% of my clients feel overwhelmed. And that's the whole reason for it. But the reason they feel overwhelmed is because they're trying to tackle too much at one time. So maybe they're trying to go paperless at the same time they're trying to set up a digital system. Well, you don't necessarily need to do that at the same time. You could focus on the digital system and then scan everything in. There's a lot of that. Like it's usually the overwhelm is coming from a place where you're just biting too much off at the same time. So I feel like breaking stuff down, you know, is better. Yeah. And also I find it sometimes it feels difficult to let go and also to delegate as well. Like my mom does this a lot. She just had piles of paperwork everywhere in her office and she says, oh, I just need to look at it and get to it later. And she never does. Mm-hmm. The pile just gets bigger. So in those type of situations, what recommendation would you have for people like my mom? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's It feels like one day we're going to have a whole day to set aside for something like this. But that day rarely comes. And even if you have that day off, you're probably going to want to spend it some other way. (laughs) You know, you're not going to want to go and organize your paperwork. So if you can just get like 10 papers and do that one day, 10 the next day, 10 the next day, 10 the next, I mean, it doesn't take all that long once you get going with it. It's just a matter of consistently doing it. I mean, it's the same thing with all of the maintenance areas of our lives, like laundry and dishes. It's just, You got to do it at some point and it kind of sucks. But if you do it consistently, you're going to have an easier time. So it's kind of just a matter of training yourself for a couple of minutes every day, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I know during our preparation for the interview, you mentioned using the convention tagging. So do you want mm-hmm. to go into that a little bit? Because I realize this could be actually a great thing, especially for stagers who are organizing inventory. Because for those of us who carry inventory for our home staging business, they can range from simply lifestyle accessories for the home, but it can also be bedding, linens, towels, floral, sofas, and other furniture pieces as well. So I thought tagging could be something really interesting to discuss. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How do you use tagging to organize digital files. So the first thing you need to make sure of is that you have a system that supports tagging. Not every storage does that. So you want to make sure you have that first. And then if it does, then what you really want to do, and I know this is hard, the more you can come up with the tagging system ahead of time, the better. And we call that a controlled keyword vocabulary, meaning that you are picking up front what those tags are going to be. Because let's say there's photos of me in my business. If I tag that with my nickname and then my full name, I'm going to get different results when I search, right? And it's the same thing. If you tag one thing with bed linens and one thing is bedding, you're going to get different search results. So consistency, again, is huge in organization. And just figuring out that system up front and maybe having those categories for what you have in inventory. And then usually if you have a good tagging system, the suggestion pops up. So not only is it faster to have it that way, but you just stay consistent and then you know what to search for. And that's really important too if you have team members that need to know what to search for to find the images. 
Yeah, in a way, it's a little bit like library catalogs, right?、You、exactly. The same all naming convention, so people who are browsing they know exactly what to look for. Exactly. That's a really good idea, and I really never thought about using tagging a lot before. But now we do it more and more often because all the digital files that we have. <laughs> and what、yeah. advice that you may have for organizing everything? I mean, is that possible to organize everything? It's possible. <laughs> It just takes a a little bit of work, yeah. But you also don't want to overdo it, right? I think you want to know where to focus your your attention. So an inventory is a great place to focus your attention because you want to make sure you keep track of those assets that you have, and you want to make sure that you can repurpose things as much as possible, especially for photos. Like we were talking about social media photos and things like that. If you can find stuff easier, then you can repurpose more, and in turn, that makes you way more productive. Knowing where to focus your attention, you know, you don't have to be a robot and organize absolutely everything all the time. I'm not. It's just you got to know kind of what's important, where you、yeah. get the most ROI. That's important. And then, so what are some of the most important areas that you recommend for small businesses to get organized within their business system? Definitely file sharing between people. That's the biggest thing that we usually see that either things slipped through the cracks or people can't find what they're looking for. And again, it's usually because there's no real procedure in place, and people kind of make up what they need to do at the time because you know either they don't know what to do or or they don't have any guidelines on that. So I think just having those guidelines up front is huge. Like in my business, I have SOPs for you know. This is why we name files the way we do, and this is how you do it. You know, this is how we store files, and why why we do it that way. Things like that makes a huge difference, so that people are clear up front. Yeah, I think people really underestimate the power of SOP. So SOP、mm-hmm. stands for System Standard and- Operating Procedure. That's right. Standard Sorry, I should have mentioned that. <laughs> no, it's fine. And I think SOP is actually really important. I think you don't really think about it when you are a solopreneur, when you're just yourself in the business,、mm-hmm. because you're probably thinking, "Why do I need standard operating procedure when it's yeah, it's、stuff? obvious to you, right?" But the thing is, once you start taking on assistants, let's say you take on a staging assistant, then you need to really tell her what exactly she needs to follow so that she's doing things. To your liking, so for example, how、yeah. you want bedding to be folded a certain way, or how you want the nightstand to be styled. So those are some of the things that I think really important in our business. So it might seem redundant to create in the beginning, but it's actually very beneficial for the long run. So what recommendation do you have when it comes to creating SOPs? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of you figuring out what is the ideal way. That you would like this to be done, and then just going through and doing that one time and documenting that, and then basically sharing that with your teammates because then you're training them in your preferred way so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's such an underestimated thing, like you said. I've been in many jobs in my early career. I sort of bounced around a lot, and I was never trained well in any of those jobs, to be honest. And had I had something like that, it would have made a huge difference for me. You know, I felt like I was kind of thrown into the deep end a lot of the time, and I think the more you can help your team get to a place of productivity, the better. I think that is important because, like you mentioned, being thrown into deep end, I think that makes you feel very out of place, and maybe then you panic in terms of what you need to execute. 
So in a way, it's also easier to train someone if you already have a binder full of SOP. They can just follow the direction or follow the structure and procedure in place. So in a way, actually, those are great business asset to start growing. It's also going to help to add value to your business. Not that everyone is thinking about selling their business, but in the long run, if people do want to have an exit strategy plan for、mm-hmm. selling their business, an SOP is actually a really great business asset. Yeah, and it allows you to take time off, and it allows others to train for you, and you don't have to constantly be saying the same thing over and over again. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's huge. And what are some of the common mistakes that people make when it comes to organizing their digital assets? Yeah, I think it's a matter of just not taking any action at all, and just thinking of having that "I'll do it someday." I always joke, sort of, with my colleagues, like the most two dangerous words in organizing is "for now." I'll just put it there for now. I'll just keep it there for now. That is like the most dangerous thing you can do in organizing because that. Someday, just it's that wishful thinking that we have that we're going to have more time, and then one day we're going to sit down and magically be able to organize all of this. It's just much easier to do it right away. I know I'm laughing because I'm very guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. We all are. You know, I'm always trying to improve. That's why I'm good at organizing because I've had to try and do a lot of this. You know, I wasn't born organized. I'm a very creative mind. I'm a very free spirit. I wasn't born with that type of personality who automatically sort of want to classify everything. But I've learned over time how to do it and why it's beneficial for me. So because I learned it, I know other people can learn it, right? So it's、yeah. it's not something that you're magically born with. You know, you just have to practice like anything else. So I'm really good at backing up. I feel like I put it in air quotes because I usually just drag and drop, dump it into my portable hard drive. But then I have three portable hard drives with files at different versions. So a real life dilemma for you: How do I reconcile them and then turn from three hard drive into just one hard drive? I think the struggle for me is that because I also work as a photographer, and you're trained to have multiple backups, right? Mm-hmm. And some photographers are、mm-hmm. super paranoid that they not only back up on the job site, they back up immediately in the studio, and then they have a home backup as well in case their studio burns down or got broken into, etc., etc. And then they also have storage、yeah. in the cloud. So how do you reconcile all these different versions of files? Because I think it's overwhelming for me. You know, I have three hard drives now. And every time I back、yeah. up my data, I back up to all three. But they are dead files, quote unquote, because they may be a previous version of backup. Kind of like the time machine concept with MacBook. I feel、mm-hmm. like that's actually a really bad thing because time machine just basically keeps dumping different、mm-hmm. version of、mm-hmm. your hard drive onto the same hard drive, and then so your portable hard drive then becomes very easy to just fill up. So how do you resolve、yeah. issues like this? Yeah, I think it comes down to like when I help people draw out the workflow, we get very clear on what the backups are going to be, and we figure out exactly how you're going to label things. I think labeling is a huge thing because let's say I create one folder and then I want to backup that folder. If I don't name it something different or label it as a backup, then I'm not going to know what that is in a couple of months, and I'm going to think that it's something you know else that needs to be saved, and now I'm going to do redundant work. So labeling is huge when it comes to backup, and then also having some sort of three-point system maybe that is slightly different. Like so, for example, my 
photo system lives on my computer. I do have an external hard drive that I back up to. So I know everything on that drive is a backup. And then I also have Backblaze, right, which backs up my entire computer to the cloud. So that's also a separate system that I don't really look at. So, you know, it is backed up. It's just that it doesn't get confused with what I currently have. So I think maybe differentiating and making some variety between the backups so you know which is which. That makes a huge difference too. Yeah. So you mentioned cloud backup, which I'm glad you did. Do you recommend any platforms for us backing up our data? Because I actually had hard drive loss before in my staging business, Mm -hmm. which was a shame because we lost four year worth of business documents and also photos as well, like portfolio photos. It is worth mentioning to do cloud backup. Can you talk a little bit about the process of doing that and what software or maybe platform do you recommend for that? I love Backblaze, to be honest. And the reason I love Backblaze is because it's very inexpensive. It backs up entire computer systems and external hard drives that you have attached to your computer. So you can do both, which is really cool. And then if something happens, it's very easy to retrieve from them. So I really love them and and always recommend them as much as I can. And I just think it's really important to have a variety of backups. So maybe one that's more manual with maybe the loose photos, let's say, and then one that's automatic that you don't have to think about because, you know, we all forget sometimes. I know that every time like I set my clocks back, that's when I do a backup. So I have that in my head, but I also have incremental backups that go automatically every now and then so that I don't have to think about it in case I forget then there's another something to save me, you know? So I would say a variety like that really helps in making sure that you have something automatic that you don't have to think about. And I love Backblaze for that. Yeah. And how often do you back up your files? I do it on a monthly basis manually. And then I do a review, like I mentioned, when I set the clocks back. And that usually involves reviewing external hard drives, like how old they are, if I need to update anything or maybe buy something new. And then the Backblaze goes all the time in yeah. the background. Like, I think, yeah, I think Backblaze, once you turn on your computer, right, it just goes on in the background. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And you can pause it if you need to, in case you have a low bandwidth, you can pause it or you can set a certain time to when it backs up, but I just keep it going all the time. And then, so when it comes to organizing, we talk a lot about digital organizing today, but I actually think probably physical organization is fairly similar in principle as well, would you say? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So a lot of times when we're working with homeowners who also have a lot of physical stuff, it's just really a matter of helping them to really whittle down, I think, the key actions and then also what they need to do to get the home prepared for sale. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah. And I think a lot of the time there is a pain point at which you take action, right? So selling your home, which I'm actually doing at the moment. <laughs> I'm selling my townhome. So I'm in this process right now. So I imagine that that's, for me, I'm okay because I have help and I'm good at organizing, but I can imagine that this is a very stressful time for most people. Usually that's when you go, oh my goodness, now I need to organize. But I don't think that's necessarily the time to do it. I think maybe decluttering is the best thing to do at that point so that you don't necessarily bring in all of that stuff to the new home, right? And decluttering is a huge part of organizing because we just need to do that before we get to the organizing part because there's no point organizing a bunch of stuff that we don't need. So I feel like decluttering is what you should be focusing on if you're getting out of a home before you get into the new one as much as possible. So I would focus there if possible. And then you can always organize when you get to the new place a lot better. And then you have more time too. 
Yeah, I think that is a really good point because I think a lot of homeowners do get stuck because they feel like, wow, this is a perfect time for me to be organized and then move forward to the new house. So they're trying mm-hmm. to sort and clean everything, but then it becomes too overwhelming for them to try to. Yeah, especially most of us who live in the house, even if just for a year. I mean, when I move on my apartment. At the end of my master program, I was shocked at how much stuff I actually accumulated in a year. It's amazing how things just start growing into empty yeah. spaces. I was cleaning out my closet because I knew I was going to be moving, so I was accumulating actually boxes throughout the entire year, and I was、mm-hmm. shocked at how many boxes. Like one of my classmates came over to help. He was like,、uh, "Cindy, <laughs> what's all this stuff?" And I'm not a huge clutter person, and it was really funny. No, it adds up、yeah. so much. You don't even realize it, you know, until you look at it all. But yeah, focus on decluttering for sure, because it's keep or toss. It's a very simple choice compared to trying to figure out like how do I organize this and how do I relate it to everything else that's in my home. You know, anyways, that's not really something you can do until you see the new home and, and you get into the new home. So definitely、yeah. focus on one thing at a time. And then, how do you deal with clients who may have mental resistance? I don't know if you've ever had this because we have had clients, sellers who are very、yeah. well-meaning, and they said, "Yeah, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z before you show up. Trust me." And then you show up, nothing was done, and they were like, "Oh, I had this, I had that." It just a lot of excuses to actually put themselves into action. So, how do you deal with mental resistance like that? It's a tough situation because you also don't want to force people. You know, and I feel like that's sort of a misconception about organizers in general. That sort of we get in there and we boss people around and tell them to throw out everything. <laughs> I think maybe it's offering help. I have plenty of colleagues who specialize in all types of organizing, and many, many of them deal with that type of stuff specifically because there's so much underneath that. It's very psychological in a way. I would recommend if it's a difficult situation to pull in a pro for sure. And that's not necessarily situations that I'm comfortable tackling. I want to focus my attention on clients that are actually willing to make a change, and then I leave the more difficult cases to my colleagues who have more training with that stuff, because that is a whole other level to deal with. And it's you want to make it a good experience, and not、yeah. a negative experience, because then they're going to be hesitant to do it again at some point if they need to. Yeah, I think in a selling situation, sometimes that is hard because you're not necessarily working with clients who want to make those changes. They might be forced、exactly. to sell their home. So yeah, so I think dealing with that resistance tactfully is very, very important, and definitely reach、mm-hmm. out to other professionals. We actually had dealt with homeowners who were hoarders,、mm-hmm. and those、mm-hmm. could be difficult situations for you to deal with on your own. Absolutely, I have many, many colleagues who deal with hoarding situations, and I'm always amazed how great all of them are, and they somehow get the cooperation, <laughs> you know, after a little bit of work. And that's it's a very, very delicate situation, and that needs to be sort of respected and, and dealt with professionally. Yeah, and our show is coming to the end, so I just have one final question for you. What is the number、mm-hmm. one tip you'll give to homestagers when it comes to organizing their digital assets? I think the biggest thing would be to set aside some time to review every week, if you can. That thirty minutes will make more of a difference than anything else you do in your business. Besides that, also wrapping up projects. In a more official way. So, part of my procedure when I wrap up a project is to celebrate with my team. 
you know, that everything went well. We document the lessons that we learned, what we can do differently next time. We send out emails to, you know, any client or anybody else just to wrap up the project nicely. Full debrief usually with analytics and all of that. And just having that procedure for wrapping up projects, it's like we're closing the loose ends, if that makes sense, and tying up those loose ends. And that helps us in turn clear out files and and manage files and get ready for the next project. So I feel like those two things alone have made a huge difference. So I would say those two. That's a good recommendation, especially I think the review part. So I have a follow-up question for that. So you said set aside 30 minutes to review what you've done for the week. So do you mean every single file that is created during that week, including maybe like team members and all these other people who work with you, contractors, what does that look like usually? Is there a workflow that you follow? I usually go through all the folders on my computer that may have stray files like the desktop or the downloads folder or just reviewing in my mind, like what projects that I work on, do I need to move anything for clients? Like, do I need to make a backup? You know, so I have a couple of steps like that for my business that I've outlined. And it usually starts with my own files. And then it goes into my client files. And then if there's anything sort of left over, I go step by step and just have that checklist and I check everything off. That's great. I love checklists. So thank you so <laughs> Yeah, it's a, I know. I think it's a business owner's best friend. And actually, it's a really great thing for if you're working with clients, especially home sellers who are not, they don't do this day in and day out. They're not necessarily sure yeah. what is there to catch for all of it. So I think it's a really helpful asset to actually have in a business for home stagers is to have not only internal checklists, because we have that for our operations. You know, even with bedding storage, we have a checklist. Right. So we know what we need to bring on a job site, uh, what inserts we need to bring in, what sizes, et cetera, et cetera. And then external checklists as well, like the things that we give to our clients. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the biggest thing with that that I see is that there's a difference between a to-do list and a checklist. That's a big thing too that I see confusion on. So a to-do list, something that you have to do, a checklist is that you've done it. So make that distinction too, because a lot of people will do both in the same one. And that's kind of where confusion comes in sometimes. Ah, I see. All right. So thank you so much for everything. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.